I'm gonna hang by the bar. Put out the vibe. Love the place. Love your vibe. You can vibe? Oh, I like it. In summing up, it's the vibe and, uh, no, that's it. It's the vibe. You're now listening to Vibe Digital. All right, well, uh, yeah, well, we get started with, uh, Skeller and Wide, though. Why don't you guys tell us uh, how you guys came together, how you know each other, and um, would, we would love to hear how you formed your dynamic of together and writing all this amazing music. Um, wait, let's let's st- re- restart. Um, okay, should we like introduce <laughs> ourselves so people know who's talking? Um, like I'm Thriller and he's Wilder, because otherwise people might be confused at the start. <laughs> that is very true. Well, are you both of them? Daniel? Ooh. <laughs> is that is that is that too soon? <laughs> is, that, is that too soon? Okay. Yeah, so yeah, maybe just um like a like a little I don't know, some sort of introduction thing so we know um why the I mean I'm I'm Skeller. Skeller. Um all right. Well, uh, to get things started, why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Uh, hey, um, <laughs> when I started, 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 can you give us like a, a go, like a um, uh, uh, prompt, like a what are like the check? You know, one of those director um, check things out. Ready, and why though? Action. What's up, guys? My name's Why though. Give me the podcast. Me and Skeller here. How's it going, guys? It's Daniel, aka Skeller here. Well, thank you guys so much for having this conversation with us. Uh, this Thanks is the first of the. Uh, the Vibe Digital Artist Spotlight. And um, well, to kick things off, why don't you guys tell us a little bit how you came together and formed the Skeller Wido dynamic that we all know and love. Um, yeah, so back in, uh, I think it was in high school, around year 12 for us in Australia, uh, I saw actually yeah. Wido here, or Joe, I'm just going to refer to him as Joe because uh, pretty easy. Yeah, call me Joe. <laughs> um, he, uh, him and another mate who may also know uh, in the scene, who I've done a collab with called Kzubi. Um, I saw them producing music just like outside in the in the courtyard almost, and uh, sort of everyone was like gathering around, and um, I just thought it was fucking awesome. And uh, went home that night and pretty much started since then. So that was around in 2012. I don't know how Joe got started here. Yeah, well, it sort of was like before that in grade 10 for us. So I was probably about 15. 16 and just was messing around with it, Fruity Loops um, with K-Zuby and we were always into like electronic music and stuff like that, bit of house, bit of dubstep and um, we just wanted to make it and sort of got started with the software and then yeah, just went from there, just kind of as a hobby. Did you guys, so did you guys start around the same time kind of writing together or were you independent first and then kind of joined up? Um... We used to make genres like what do we used to make? Like you, you were more into like house and, and stuff like that when you first started. Yeah, like I was pretty big in the house, like hard style, 
bit of trance kind of vibe. Yeah, and I sort of was like sort of with like trap and sort of those genres. And I don't remember when we first what was our first collab. Maybe I don't know. We we I think we collabed first on like dubstep or something. Maybe in like twenty fourteen. I was like, yeah, something like that. Yeah, pretty dubstep. Why was it that you guys like gravitated to those genres? What was it about that music at that time that made you want to produce that? It's probably just the scene here in um, Australia and Perth at the time. Like dubstep is, well, it still really is big over here. Um, yeah, it's huge. Uh, like the whole, especially now with the whole like rhythm and everything like that. But, but even back back then, it was dubstep and like heavy music, bass music was just really the thing to do here in Perth. Not that there is much to do, but um, it's kind <laughs> of a, uh, it kind of influenced us to want to make that genre. I think like a lot of people as well. Um, we sort of just took in inspiration from around us and what people were vibing with. And, um, yeah, we just made it from there. And we sort of, that's sort of like where the heavy sort of vibe that I think we bring forward into our today's production came from, from yeah, when we started out genres. Yeah, like we'd, we'd go like house parties and stuff back in the day and there'd be like no like mainstream music playing. It was all like dubstep and like just heavy shit. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Can you, uh, are you able to identify what, um, what was the moment or like what created a shift towards your current kind of projects? Uh, yeah, so I think it would have been, I think it was just randomly one, one night I was scaring through the internet and I came across, um, I think it was uh, Careful's track, uh, Lost, and um, I, I didn't know at the time what the genre was, but I just really liked that genre, and then I think like months later, I must have been recommended this, um, like, I think it was a podcast or a radio show that Careful had done, I forget what year it was in, but I remember there was a huge discussion with me and... Uh, and uh, Kane Kazubi at the time, we were just chilling around with some beers at like I think it was before like a, um, a gathering or, or whatever. And I thought, I, I swear, careful or someone said wave wave core. And uh, we, we had this huge argument about like you know new genres and like oh you can't name them this, you can't name them that. And I was like <laughs> defending the you know the wave core just because I really liked the genre or whatever they were calling it at that time. And um, that's that's kind of the earliest memory I have of finding out about the genre. But um, yeah, it was probably through through careful and um, his massive influence in the scene. I don't know. What do you reckon, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, I found out about it purely through Dan here. Like, I didn't really have much sort of pre-existing knowledge before Dan sort of showed me what was up. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for me, it was uh, I had been you know DJing and playing shows for many years and um, fell in love with the music scene out on the West Coast and um, there was like a, you know, there was a lot of really heavy sounds, but it was all super melodic and then yeah. kind of found it just being constantly super hard, super hard. And I just was digging SoundCloud, which has always been the perfect source for, you know, discovering new music and um, started finding this music. And for me, it was also careful, but it was uh, careful and skit luminosity where I suddenly yeah. saw this, new, found this new genre. I was like, wait, what is this? And was digging into that and it wasn't that much longer before I think I came across uh, 1992 um, by E. Skeller. I'm not really even sure how I found it, but once I did, that quickly led me to, to Why Though and the rest of your music. And um, Yeah, well, that, that, was the, um, that was the first track I released under Skeller and it was, um, it was an ode to um, DeVos Doctor's uh, 1991, which was like, mm. one of the earliest ones, one of the earliest sort of, of that vibe that I found and came across. And I just thought, you know, I could... Uh, I could do this, and then I just started out making that. So, yeah. uh, I think also as well, like uh, sort of echoing the 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 sort of 
um, chill aspect of it. I, I guess we were so like burnt out on all this heavy music here in um, yeah. Perth and Australia that we just sort of gravitated naturally towards a more chill style. And um, yeah, I'm very glad we did. Yeah, for sure. I mean, from my side, it was, I was also very sort of disillusioned with dubstep in general. I had, I had sort of come up um, in the US scene and it's, it very quickly, dubstep got very clicky. Um, it was very exclusive. People didn't really want it, it. I was getting some bookings and then these people didn't really want to have anything to do with me for, for at some point because I wasn't a part of their crew. And it, you know, all of a sudden it felt like, you know, there wasn't a good feeling in the air when I would go into the club. It just, it didn't yeah. feel right to me. So I kind of lost interest, uh, in electronic music and, and DJing it f- for a little while. Um, and then, at 2014 came around and I was, you know, I had my ear to the ground. I had plasticians, Rents FM shows, and um, I was still an avid consumer of it. Um, but then I heard Silk Road Assassins on Faze Miyake's Rents FM show, and they did a mix towards the end of 2014 that just blew me away. And I was like, this, this is something I, I need more of this. The, it gave, like I had my first like Brett and I talk about like this uh, immersive experience that people have when they hear wave music for the first time. Seems like every time we play a show, and I and I want to ask you about this uh, later, Daniel. When when you were here in America, like what were some of the how was like how were you received? What were some of the like memorable experiences that some of the, your like crowd told you about but um for me like once i heard that for the first time it just gave me this rush that i like i hadn't felt since like the early days you know 2009 2010 with dubstep and uh yeah i guess it just expanded outwards from there yeah for sure it's it's extremely similar to sort of how we we were at the start i reckon as well yeah 100 percent um Daniel, you still have that um, that residency at that at that club. Yeah, well, it, it's it's kind of like I don't play there. I only do sort of like the events now that are uh, like they're not real club events. They're like um, people don't go there for clubbing. Let's put it that way. Yeah, so not really anymore. No, it's kind of like this the scene over here. It's not really uh, it's not really the the same as it is in America. I can put it that way. It's uh. The genre, the wave genre over here is almost like non-existent. Unfortunately, it's uh, it'd be hard to get wave shows going. I could imagine, um, but I think the way that we've sort of been working together is we're trying to bring that sound to Australia through like uh, the means of um, sort of incorporating other genres into it and sort of make it a bit more friendly to the Australian ear, I guess you could say. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, the scene over here is not not a good uh, place for wave right now but i think um eventually we can start to bring it over yeah even like comes in like cycles as well so it's been pretty heavy for a while here so hopefully that in the in the future will kind of switch up and people will be more keen for like wave and, and things like that yeah i feel i was gonna say i feel like um by the nature of the fact that it's not part of the scene out there kind of speaks to more to how this particular type of music is actually something that you both truly resonate with and is coming through you. Cause despite your environment, it's something that you're creating. And uh, I would bet that should uh, the Australian scene start being more open to it, then you'll just have had 
that much more time to be honing your craft and be able to, to come out and help help, um, help generate something out there and you know be able to throw down out there for that crowd. Yeah, well, Brett, like you know, this like the the first show that I played as Skeller was it, um, in the US. Like I hadn't played as Skeller here <laughs> in my home, in my home yeah. country. That, so, seriously, that's kind of yeah. Have you have you ever played your own music in Australia before you came to the United States? Yeah, like I've played at, at those shows. Like I play occasionally, throw in like one or two of my tunes, but it's like it's it's not the same, you know. When you when you're yeah. playing to a different town, so. Right. Arcada, Arcada was the first show that you actually played as Skeller when you came out here, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it's wow. kind of interesting. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, how is this? So, so like, this, so the whole time you, you and and Joe and and whoever else in Perth there were just sort of had your own like little world and were just making music and uploading it, but not really playing it out. Yeah, that's exactly. exactly it. Yeah, yeah. We kind of just. Uh, we kind of just put our music online. The whole thing kind of strange to us still. Holy crap. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's that's kind of like part of the interesting magic of the the whole quote-unquote wave scene that we're involved with. It was just that it's a lot of us that really felt drawn to a certain type of music, but our only access to it was through the internet and through each other. And now it's an interesting time over the past year or two where a lot of us are uh, starting to come and come together in person and, and you know it was obviously really special and when uh, daniel when you came out last year uh, for that tour and for me uh, with the crew previous to that to to bridge that gap between the the url and the irl you could say yeah i think the the byproduct of that situation is like the people who like wave really like wave because they just they they only know about it through the music they don't they didn't hear about it Yes, at, at wherever, through wherever, whoever, they just like, they, they came across it on their own terms and they really like it for that reason. So, yeah, and then they had to actually continue to pursue that and then dig for that. It wasn't something just. Yeah, like, you have to work for it. It's got the yeah. Well, yeah. We don't have any bandwagoners yet. <laughs> no. Famous, famous last words here. <laughs> well, um, you know, speaking of the tour, Daniel, what was. Um, what was the experience like for you when we were out there and you were having all these these first shows and how you were received and and all that? What was that experience like for you? Uh, it was it was amazing because, like I guess, as I said before, I, I had never played uh, as Skeller before. Skeller, uh, Skeller <laughs> before. So yeah, just, you know, just even just like talking to someone in IRL um, that uh, that knows who I am and knows my music, mind blowing. It was like the first. It, it almost was the same feeling when I got like a first message on on SoundCloud or like the first repost from someone. It was like that that type of feeling was um it was unreal. Yeah, and uh, and Joe, I'm, I'm excited for you now um, that we got this Chalusk Festival locked in for both of you, so you'll get to, hey. to have that experience along with yeah. also this. I guess would be the first time that it'll be announced that um, you're all you're both also doing a show in London with uh, with Liquid Ritual. Yeah, and potentially another show or two. That uh, <laughs> festival, that'll be the first time. Why those playing as why those? So I think that's the Dude, the first okay. time playing as why those. First <laughs> time I'm going to Europe, like, and I'm finishing my, my degree as well. So it's all happening in the wow, next couple. So yeah. your first why though DJ performance is going to be in front of thousands of people. <laughs> no uh, pressure. Are you gonna wait? Are you gonna play by yourself, or will you? there with with uh with daniel 
I think I think uh, uh, I don't even know. We, yeah, we're not sure. Well, we don't know the details yet, but I mean, literally either it would be great to be honest. Yeah, like, I'm just happy to be part of it. Yeah, and no, I'm happy. Uh, happy it worked out. I mean, you guys make. I mean, the timing couldn't have been better for you. You're going to be yeah. out there with your family, and now we get to make this extra special thing happen for, um, you know, all these people that that have been wanting to see you. I mean, I saw, you know, on the Chalusk pages, like people, people are stoked that you guys are going to be out there. And I'm sure that London will, will be the same and people will be coming out from all these different places. So, you know, it's a really special thing to be able to come together and create this just by the sheer nature that we all care at enough of a level to, to make this happen and other people care enough to show up. And, um, yeah, I'm excited for you both for that. Yeah. We're, we're- we're super excited. Well, I think it's like it's such a it's going to be such a stark comparison between uh, just the environment that we're in right now. Not only just that the whole music scene is the complete opposite that it is here, I would assume, and also just like the the environment as well. It's um it's going to be yeah. going to be a wild time. It's going to be crazy. It's really fun. It's really good. <laughs> it's a I mean it's a special time. I mean the, the what what's being created here is something that wasn't even possible, you know, five ten years ago. It's the magic of this time that we live in that. You know, by the sheer nature, you know, like the tour with you, Skylar, for example, we got a bunch of those shows um, just by the fans that came together for a Facebook, you know, a group page called called Wave City. We put out the call, who wants to make this happen? And people responded, and uh, I'm incredibly grateful for to all those people who uh, helped both throw the shows and showed up just by, you know, caring about the music and participating online. It was, yeah, it was unreal. I can't wait to do it again. Can you guys... Um, I remember Daniel when we were hanging out. You were like a story of how like Limit and some of the other music was created. Um, can you tell us more about like how you guys work together and maybe like the workflow of that and maybe even how Limit itself was created since that was such a big track for you? Yeah, and like and talk about like how you guys like came together and what kept you together throughout the years because I know you started sort of meeting up in 2012 or whatever, but you know this is 2019 now, like. How is it you guys have maintained this relationship for so long? True. Um, I get. I probably start with limit. I guess. Um, so limit. I can't even remember. Eh? It was. Um, so you had you had the apartment in the city. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I had this um pretty not pretty nice little apartment at the time, and it had uh, it had some good vibes. I, me, and, me and Joe were very big on on vibes. Very big on the vibes. <laughs> <laughs> like we need um, particular good vibes to be able to create stuff. We get very inspired by like visuals and. And stuff like that. I think we'll probably talk about that in a little bit. But I had this um, my studio at the time was sort of facing the city cityscape, and Joe used to always come over and um, we would just get in mad little jams and um, and uh, just literally just throw tracks together. I think with the limit that in particular, I think I started with the drums. Did I have the drums or something? Yeah, the drums and the bass. Yeah, we had the drums and the bass, and then um, I think we linked up. And we went back and forth a couple of times, and I, to be honest, it was just—it's like a—it was like a blur. I don't know how how those things happen. They just yeah. There's a few beers involved, and it's like oh yeah, some like really good vibes. Yeah, that's it's kind of that's, like, yeah. That's that's the ingredients, the ingredients that we need. <laughs> what do you what do you t- what do you say? Good vibes. What is what does that mean? Like we're both just like hype. Um, yeah, like um, and just like vibing off each other, the track, like inspiration, all sorts of things. We'll like, put on like we'll put on like a video of like some festival or like something that we some type of music that we really like and then um it'll just give us like a, a burst of energy and inspiration that we just put like straight onto the onto the track and um i don't know i i, I it's honest i'm sorry i can't i can't even 
remember how that track yeah, was made. I, I've noticed in your uh, in your Twitch streams, you'll have like a little like a video or you know a visual inspiration yes. kind of going going on top. I I've never really done that for myself. I'm producing, but I thought that was a really cool idea when I watched you do it live. Yeah, everyone really seems to like that idea. I think it's um I think for me it it kind of just like it keeps the idea cohesive when I'm making something. So so because I get very inspired by like visuals and um and art and stuff like that. So if I find a, a piece of visual like that on like Vimeo or wherever I find it on in the internet, um, I'll I'll have an idea for a track. And then in order to rather than just um creating the idea off that uh, in that sudden burst of inspiration, I just keep the video up constantly throughout the whole time it just keeps the coherent sort of workflow throughout it keeps me on track where i originally wanted to start with a piece of music and um for the streams as well it's really good because people uh sort of can understand where it's coming from i think it looks cool as well so um, yeah that's the story behind those visuals is there anything yeah. where you can identify about just like with the the dynamic together i mean i know one of my friends uh who goes by dub virus and whenever we would make stuff together uh, when, if he would be writing like a certain melody or something, I could like pretty much hear the end of like like what I wanted to hear, and then he would basically like he would basically finish it, and and vice versa. You know, I'd be writing something, and he would want I could tell he'd want to tell me to to make a sound, but I'd already like, make it. Do you guys find that you have a just a certain synergistic dynamic that's kept you together, or anything you can identify about that? Or? Hmm. What do you say? You might not be able to. I mean, it's just one of those things where you work together and it comes out, you know, like when, you know, when a great track comes out often, it kind of just naturally flows. So there might not even be necessarily something you can identify. I was just curious if there's something you've maybe noticed. Yeah, I think maybe because we're like good mates as well, like being yeah. together, like having a few beers, instead of like doing it sort of entirely separate in our own projects, we'll like be together in the same project. Maybe like going back and forth and like some MIDI controller or whatever. Um, right. It's kind of yeah. like um, we have like one person in the for the actual physical physicality of it. Where there's like one person like driving the, the the session at at each particular moment, and then we'll just sort of be going back and forth. And the person that the person that's sort of sitting on the sideline at the time will just be chipping in like these. Uh, they'll be hearing it almost like from a back perspective, and they'll just be throwing in ideas at the other person, and that'll sort of fuel the person who's currently working on it. I don't know. That's just yeah. sort of how been doing it but there's yeah. no real i think uh, there's some there's definitely something important and special to be said for just being homies and already kind of knowing each other you know it's like when you're having a conversation yeah. with a really good friend you you kind and of can, you, you know yeah you're not afraid to like tell them that it's shit when they're making something shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's important honestly is important like that too for sure <laughs> but, yeah there's yeah. no yeah do you, get, do you each have any um do you have any particular inspirations or like a, like like artists in general that you're feeling lately that you feel like people should know about? Or um, I think you know the guy. There's a guy called Beeple who makes amazing things. And um, what, what's his name? Beeple. 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 Oh right. Okay. The yeah, visual he, artist. Yeah, he's yeah. done a piece of every twelve years now or something crazy like that. Uh, he's he's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I I always get inspired from his um. Is art. I could make. I think I could just make a track on like every single thing he uploads. It's so good. Um, but I think yeah, just as a whole, the the particular style that I'm inspired by is just that. I think a lot of people are in his way, but in wave as well. It's just like the um the whole like cyberpunk futuristic like uh, neon skyline type type dealio. I think that that really fits wave perfectly. And like cars as well, stuff like that. I don't know, but that's the in sort of the, the wave 
stylings. Uh, this is kind of weird, but like for sort of like the darker stuff, I get inspired by some strange things. Like, um, <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> like, um, you know, like co- like communist style buildings, like gloomy, like really depressing, um, like sort of uh, like Soviet, Soviet okay. strange vibes. I don't know. I just get inspired from that strangely, and um, and yeah, just like really depressing things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, what about yeah? Oh, dude, I'm probably, like, the opposite, eh? Like, <laughs> I don't really get that much inspiration from, like, depressing kind of stuff. I get a little inspiration from, like, going out and just, like, hearing music that I've heard yeah. on, like, a small system, on, like, a huge system and, like, um, seeing how the crowd reacts and, and things like that and then applying that to whatever I'm making. Yeah, like, after we go out, he'll, he'll come home and just, like, like buzzing. And then I could like, <laughs> I might like not not have smashed out any tracks like before that. I get inspired, but then like I'll I'll smash out a track in like an hour. Yeah, like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. He's like super gets inspired. Like he goes from extremes. So yeah. So so you go out, you go to the club. It's super late by the time you get home, but you're so inspired, you have to sit down and make a track, like in, in yeah. the wee hours. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, like, it's, happened, it's happened a few times. Yeah. And he's normally in bed at seven o'clock anyway, so it's whoa, very strange. <laughs> Someone's gonna work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Daniel, we wanted to ask you because um, we know that you're a sound designer by day or by night. Your main job is as uh, is is it as a sound designer or sound uh, re-record mixer for film? I think, I think the main role would be sound designer. I, I guess you could call it. Uh, I kind of work in a, um, I do work in a audio post-production studio here in, in Perth and um, we do all sorts of stuff. I'm like ADR, Foley, sound design. It's a lot of like, um, a lot of TV and, and film uh, type dealios and my sort of role at the moment is I do a lot of the, the sound, specifically like the sound design in these, in these um, projects. So yeah, it's, um, it definitely influences, well, sorry, was the question, uh, how that influences my, my well yeah production. i mean we want to get to that but it's, i want to little, know a little bit more about your job first like what i mean sound design are you making music for these films are you making sound effects are you doing foley like how what is it more specifically yeah so i guess you could just talk about some projects i'm working on right now so um like uh, i was working on a like a nature documentary type deal and um i don't know how much you know about these type of uh projects in the workflow but um, it gets to a stage where it needs uh, a lot of the sounds in these nature documentaries are are, are done after the fact in post production because um, a lot of the sounds like underwater sounds and that there's no there's no microphones there's no um, there's no actual recordings of these things so you have to add it in after the fact right. and um, whether it be my style as well as kind of a very like in the box electronic y style of um, sound design so I don't do a lot of actual recording I try and just make it through sound design so all the little like um specifically on this project like all the animals and little uh little crustaceans and things like that i'm doing now so yeah seriously you're making like squeaks and little little things like that yeah well, it's, a, it's a little cool than that <laughs> squeaks but uh yeah don't work up too, too much but, um, yeah it's uh and then we do a lot of like commercials and and um short form stuff as well for australia the australian um TV and stuff like that. Like, uh, I find it really, really fun. It's kind of been my uh, 
my dream my dream so, job for a long time and I've somehow got the position. So awesome. So you're engineering these sounds from from scratch then? Yeah, for the most part. It it depends on every project um what you're doing, but um yeah. It, it definitely uh a lot of my my uh previous work in music sort of helped me uh sort of my passion for audio, I guess you could say, um, definitely helped me get that position. And um, obviously I got extremely lucky as well. But um, wow. yeah, it's perfect because um, I work all day um, creating sound and then I come home and uh, I'm not, if I'm not too burnt out or whatever, I can just work, go straight into music production under Skeller. So it's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really loving it at the moment. It's great. What, uh, I mean... Are you said you're in the box? Are you using plugins? Like, what's your what are your go to plugins to make sounds for nature documentaries? Oh, a lot of the waves plugins we we, I, we just use around the clock, but um, <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> those uh, are mostly effects, right? Yeah. Um, so, oh, you mean for actually like design? Like synth- oh, synth sound design. Yes, the oh, okay, synthesis. Yeah. yeah. What do you do? are you you're, are you using synths like serum to make animal noises for a, a, a nature, a nature <laughs> documentary? Is that, is that right? That, for that, but in general, yeah, you could say that. Yeah, a lot That's of effects. Really a lot of the effects and stuff uh, go over the top of of actual recordings and and stuff like that. Yeah. So, fully, there is a fully recording booth like right in front of me, which I just go in and. Or get someone to go in and um, just record specific sounds like that for actual foley, but larger things like like soundscapes and and things like that. Yeah, hundred percent, they're um, synthesized and um, yeah, used in the book. That's great. Box. I mean, did you did you how did you get into that? Did you go to school for that? Uh, I studied for two years uh, at in audio engineering in a in a um, private university here in um, Perth. And that sort of led me in the direction of uh, to go down audio post production. Um, however, saying that though, like I feel to get into something like this, you have to you can't really learn it in the books. Like they don't um, they don't look for the fact that you've completed a degree to get into a job like this. They um they really want they really want to see someone who's super passionate. And um, a lot of these companies are really sort of small and tight tight knit, and um, you have to. Uh, they, you need to be accept, accepted always into their family, I guess you could say, because they, they don't want to. They want they'll be working with you around the clock um, for a long time. So it's more about um, um, just being a good bloke than uh, knowing all the details, I guess you could say. But again, the passion and everything definitely plays a, a large uh, role in getting a position like that. And also luck. You have to get extremely lucky because there isn't many jobs like that, um, especially in Australia. Uh, there's not many studios doing that type of stuff. So I'm extremely blessed and humbled by the fact that I've somehow secured that position. Is it kind of like the, in terms of just the work itself, is it kind of like feast or famine? Are you guys like really busy some months and then kind of not very busy other months or has it been pretty steady? When I first started there uh, about three years ago, um, they were constantly telling me that it was like very, it, it comes in waves. Um, pardon the pun. Um, but, uh, <laughs> it, uh, yeah, the workflow sort of, um, peaks and troughs like throughout the year, but, um, ever, like ever since those first like couple months or uh, six months, then it's just been flat out. Like there's just no, there's no breaks. Um, it's crazy. So they're a really good studio. a really talented um, team we have. I think that's sort of, um, part of the reason why there's so much work coming through them. But, um, 
so given how uh, how difficult it is to get a job like that, it's good that we risked your entire career bringing you out to America then, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 100%. But, uh, and also with the, um, yeah, going to uh, Europe as well and stuff like that, it's a, it's, it's a little bit of a struggle. But luckily, um, uh, my boss is super supportive and uh, he knows that it's kind of a... Um, it's a kind of a unique thing to, to be able to travel like that for to play shows and that. So he really respects that. And um, again, it also sort of goes hand in hand. Like they're both audio related things, I guess you could say. So he's been quite supportive of my um, music endeavors, which is awesome. Yeah, I would, ma- I would imagine that, uh, that on both sides that doing that kind of work by day is kind of, you know, kind of constantly honing your skill for production. And then when you're doing production, that's also honing your skill for your day job so they kind of uh, feed into it, each other i would imagine it's overall, just like um like training your ears it just the constantly like um testing your ears 24 7 i think is a uh, hugely beneficial like knowing your your body over the over the details of the like production skills and stuff just knowing your own um knowing your ears is a huge part and um when you're training that 24 7 you you can um get good not saying that i'm good but um <laughs> I think it's yeah. safe to say you're good. You can be uh, okay. a little, a little less. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, Joey, Joey, I also want to know about uh, what what you get up to during the day. When why when you take your why though hat, what what are what what do you what takes up most of your time? Where what what brings in the money? <laughs> yeah, so um, technically, I'm still at university doing my master's in electrical engineering. Okay. Um, and I've been also working part-time or full-time and part-time, depending on the work, um, in consulting for the last sort of six months. Um, and that's all to do with like asset management, a um, bit of engineering as well in that. And, um, yeah, it pretty much takes up all my time during the day, sometime at night, just depending on sort of workload, et cetera. Yeah. Is, is there a, was there a particular uh, drive towards electrical engineering that you're interested in and want to continue towards? Um, not really, to be honest. <laughs> it's more just like something. I always wanted to do engineering um, as a kid. Like, I always like making things, designing things, getting like technical, uh, that yeah, sort of I mean, stuff. I mean, that's, that's okay. I mean, I was, I was a religion major, which is entirely <laughs> studied Hinduism and Buddhism, and there was no job that I was interested in for that. It was just that I was just interested in studying it. So. So I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's obviously got, um, you know, if the, if the music thing doesn't work out or whatever, it's got good, like, job implications in the future. Yeah, you'll especially just be here, an uh, electrical engineer. It's mm-hmm. like, okay. I think it's important to, um, you know, I mean, well, depending on your, your personality, I think it could be important to have something that's completely separate from music because, you know, for some people, when, when you make that your full-time thing, it can... You know, it can make it make it hard because it's a struggle to. It becomes no longer just about the music; it's about you know, you know, making this for the job. So having something else that you're doing um, can really help to balance that out. But for others to be able to dive fully in that, you know, it's that's that's everything. So I think it's just important to figure out how what helps you to operate at your best level, optimal level, and your in your best self. And there's no right or wrong way of going about that. Yeah, hundred percent. Like um, earlier this year, I went away for like a couple of weeks, just doing some work um, in Adelaide, another city in Australia. And um, 
I came back and I was like so inspired because I hadn't touched a, like a production PC at all for like you know a couple of weeks and I was just yeah just so ready to just hit it and just make some tunes. So yeah, yeah, I think that's that's important for um, for young producers or all producers in general. To, to there's this kind of felt drive that you've always got to be working, you've always got to be putting out, but it's totally okay to take a break because that might be what you need to accumulate the right amount of inspiration or experience to be able to come at back at that stronger and to not um, burn ourselves out on this, this felt drive to be constantly getting at it. You know, it's important to recognize what is serving you best at what time and when to take a break rather than burning out and quitting. Yeah. Learn to take a break kids. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So Daniel, uh, one of the things dying to ask you about and something I think a lot of our listeners will want to know about is uh, how R.L. Grime ended up playing one of your tracks at EDC Mexico City in front of thousands of people. Like, was that a did that was that a surprise to you or were you sort of expecting it? Yeah, I was super. I was blown away. Uh, he he messaged me on um, Twitter saying that he just was really digging the sound and. Um, I have no idea how he found the sound or found me or anything like that, but um, he just messaged me saying he really loved it and he was wondering if um, uh, I could send him any any unreleased tunes and stuff like that. And then um, shortly after, he asked for um, if he could remix or um, he could remix Arcadia, uh, and I obviously said yes. And then um, next minute, I got a notification saying he was playing it. Uh, he was playing it live, and I watched it live, and it was sick. So yeah, it was a. It, it blew me away. I was honest, man. You got a notification that he. So you got. Uh, no, people were messaging me on. Oh, I uh, see. About it, and uh, I, I don't know what I was doing. I think I was playing some Apex Legends or something at the time, <laughs> and uh, just dropped everything, and um, and watched it, and I was uh, I was just uh, gobsmacked to be honest. So you're just alone in your apartment. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> wow. And um, yeah. yeah, and then um, yeah, I'm super glad that there's people like um, him, and I know like Porter Robinson and some other um, big names now are, are sort of getting into the genre a lot. I think it's um, super important for them to uh, help us, help help yeah. the sound get along. I hate reading things as well where people say that like uh, you know it's going to get mainstream and stuff like that. It's just so um, it's just the wrong logic and the wrong thinking. Like it's just so important to have people like these people supporting the scene and just putting their, getting their influence. They're not, they're not going to change the genre in any way. Like they're, they're just here to um, support and get whole huge new crowds in, which will benefit all of us. Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, in the end, what we're striving for here is for this music that we all love so much to be something that can be sustainable for the artists such as yourselves that we, we care about and people reaching down like that is, is really important. And, uh, again, might you know change things a, a little bit, but how else? How else is it going to get out there? You know, it's like yeah. like I want I want more people to hear experience the things that we love. Like, why would you try and uh, exactly hide that from other people to keep it underground or whatever? That's just ridiculous logic. I, I despise it. <laughs> I, think, I think there's a there's a legitimate concern on on to play devil's advocate here for a moment, and you're welcome to debate me, but. Um, I feel like there is a little bit of a legitimate concern in that eventually there are 
there could just be, you know, money grabbing bandwagoners jumping on board like they did with dubstep. Um, and it, you know, it sort of fundamentally changed the genre. And in many ways, I kind of felt like dubstep didn't have enough time to grow and become its own proper genre. Uh, around yeah. the world it was just sort of it's this weird underground thing in the uk for a while and then it blew up everywhere suddenly and i don't know if we're in danger of the same thing with wave music be just because you know it's been four or five years of us all making music you know yeah. reaching out yeah. with each other I and mean, i think that as it you know as, even if it gets bigger and some other artists start jumping in um there's been such a you know, underground community form that just what we all need to continue to do is just support those artists that we know and love that have been time and effort. And yeah, there might be some other people coming in, but you yeah. know, the more people that come in, the more music that's created, the more that the sound's just going to have to have to evolve. And I don't think it's necessarily. Yeah. Bad, but I mean, even back to people. even back to what Donnie was just saying about dubstep and that, like, even though dubstep did change and it had all these new different variations and stuff, there was still the original vibes there that people could enjoy it's not like it, it went away the, the producers that were producing that still made that that style and um all that happened was just more people knew about it and more people brought their influences to it and it just grew as a genre there's obviously some things that some genres particularly subgenres of dubstep that people didn't like but um it's the core sound was still always there i don't think we're going to lose anything by the genre expanding um we reckon yeah yeah i think that's yeah. a, that's another oh joe sorry were you going to say something yeah, I tend to agree um, on the whole. I think there are probably is a concern for money grabbing type people coming in, and but that just comes with it. You got to take the good with the bad. I think here there's probably far more good from it growing than there will be bad. Yeah, I mean, and I've already seen the, um, you know, with what we're trying to do with Live Digital and having you and Noah and Brothel and things, where some people have commented about you know wanting more people to get on 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 shows and this and that and wanting to be touring but it's a we're still even though we've been around for a while it's still such a young scene and to to build something it takes a little bit of like you know i'm trying to build stuff up with you with you daniel i'm trying to build stuff up with brothel and then each show that we do is another opportunity to have someone else come on and we just kind of have to have to keep building until it gets some gets gets bigger and the more shows we do and the more that things do get bigger there there will be then more opportunities to put uh, to put people on it's not something that off the bat we can just make happen like it's been an incredible amount of work just to make stuff happen and for you though I'm, I'm grateful that it is happening and there's enough people's support so i just hope that uh the trend continues and we can continue to keep supporting um new underground artists that we like at the same time that perhaps it gets more popular and we're able to enter into a, a bigger world and a bigger scene like I think in order to if you want the genre to grow, like some people just do just don't like the sound of wave. And um it's it's basically like we have it here in, in Perth. Like in order for people to get around it as a genre, we have to change it a little bit so that all these people will even find out about it in the first place. And then they'll go and research more and then who knows, they could eventually go all the way back to the original roots and just really like the genre and that's how you've got a fan from there. Like um yeah, so it's um it's the it's it, that's I think a lot of people did complain as well. Actually, I won't get into it, but the whole uh, the whole uh, fake wave situation and stuff like that. It's um, yeah, we're gonna ask yeah. you about that. It's it's uh, <laughs> it's it's just uh, the logic. Uh, I just can't understand it. And uh, yeah, <laughs> actually, yeah, we'll get into that. What do you, what do you think that 
you know, wave music needs in order to maintain itself and, and to grow. I f- feel like that kind of feeds into the whole quote unquote fake or fake wave thing. But what are your yeah, thoughts? Well, I mean, I, people have been saying this for years and I, I've been saying it as well. Like it needs to be more IRL. Like we, we need to, um, we need to make club events a thing. And I think the, the sure way, the easiest way to do that is to make them more club, club friendly. Like I, I've heard this a thousand times from a lot of people, but um, it's so true even here in Australia. Like we have to, we have to make it a, a bit more heavy and club vibey yeah. in order f- for us to even be able to mention it in the sentences uh, as as other genres. Um, but again, that's not going to take away from the original wave sound at all. Like uh, this is just another style that uh, I think it needs to happen. But I think it's the only thing that I can sort of contribute to. Um, and it's not like I can't make both genres. Like I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna make the chill wave style. It's just I can also make the the heavier stuff. I don't, I don't understand what mm. what all the the issue is there. Like <laughs> we can just do whatever the fuck we want. To be honest. Yeah, I think that uh, you know, at this point with wave, it might have started as a certain been classified originally when it was type of sound. But for me, at least now, it's just at the point where to me, wave is just about melodic, emotive bass music in general. And that's the thing that drew me toward it, towards it in general was that um, what I used to be into in like the West Coast bass music sound, there would be all these crazy weird sounds and heavy sounds, but there was still also um, a lot of uh, melodies and story and all this like in the background to it. And then it progressed just being harder and harder. And, and now with, with Wave, it started at a slower pace, but to me, what I care about, and I feel like um, what we care about with Vibe Digital is just capturing that melodic, emotive bass music sound in whatever form that the artist um, brings forth. And that's really what's important. And you can still, you know, you can make it at that like heavy, get down, club friendly while still maintaining a, a story and the melodies and the emotion all in it without it becoming um, something that's just like commercialized. I think you can go heavy while still maintaining that soul. Definitely, man. I think you've you've nailed yeah. it on the head there on that on that. It's um yeah, very true, man. Well, um, do you guys have any tips for you know up and coming side and outside the dog thing that you found particularly valuable with your workflows or Yeah, show us under so, the hood a little right here. I think we uh, cut out a little bit there. So, sorry, what what was the question? The question was uh do you guys have any tips for up and coming producers, both in and out of the DAW? Not anything about your, your workflows or things you found particularly valuable that you can people uh, do you try and try and say something maybe that isn't uh, something that you would normally hear like a generic tips and tricks and stuff like that. I think um, an important thing is to um, like don't be greedy with your music. Like um, let people use your music for whatever they want. Um, this is kind of just how I, <clears throat> the logic I've had uh, over the years, the two or so years that I've been um, under Scalar, it's just, um, yeah, just let people use it. Like if you get messages from anywhere from, you know, some kid making a montage video or right up to someone using it in their ads or like, well, you know, the Vimeo videos or these cartoon videos or anything or like um, people want to use it for whatever the case, just let them have it, especially yeah, rappers and stuff like that. Just um, <clears throat> just let them use it, even if they're like complete 
like assholes about it and uh they just they're just money they're just trying to like take your shit and, and this is controversial i know some people are like, not gonna be happy with this but just just let them let them use it and it, it'll far outweigh the, the the small monetary benefit you'll get especially as a small producer like um you'll find like say you just start allowing these cartoon of uh people to use your videos for whatever some some guy will use it and he might only get like a thousand views or whatever on his video <clears throat> and then one he's got one of his mates in the in the in the cartoon scene potentially um, likes the video. He sees, oh, this guy, this this track's pretty sick. It works well with this. It doesn't have copyright on it. I'm going to use it. And say his his track gets ten, twenty thousand views. All of a sudden, you just see like a chain reaction event, and then one video may potentially get like a million views. And even if one percent of those million views, if one percent of the people uh, of those million views um, like your track and go to your profile, what's that? One percent of one million, ten like ten thousand people will now be on your profile listening to your stuff. And even if you know ten percent of those people follow you, that's all something that you didn't have prior. And even if even if someone takes your rapper, takes your tune, and um, um, you know runs away with it and 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 gets a whole bunch of views on it, I just picture it as something that I didn't have prior. I didn't even know this existed five minutes ago or, uh, yesterday. So. Um, I think I take that all as positives and you'll see that if you just constantly let people use your stuff while you're starting out. I know there's a lot of like every, all artists say, you know, go get paid and stuff like that for your music and it's true. But if you just have the mentality where you basically just, just don't give a fuck and you're, you're sharing the love, you know, to the maximum extent to, to every single situation, you'll find that you do a lot better. And, you, you, you know, monetarily at the start, you might not be making as much money or whatever, but... It shouldn't be about that. It should be just about growing and, and growing the genre. And you'll you'll see it, you know, towards the end once you once you really commit these sort of hard times, I guess you could call it. Um, you'll start to see a, a lot of like true fans who who are naturally na- like natural true fans who um, are there just because they really like your music. And um, I don't know. It's just it's just something that I've I've done and I found it very um, important, and beneficial, and I kind of owe and contribute a lot of my growth to that one right. um, little little thing right there. Yeah, on the true fans tip, I forget if I talked about this with you already about bringing it up anyway. Um, have you heard of the like the true 1,000 theory? Or there was like an essay called that. No, what's that um, about? But um, essentially the idea is that what it really takes to be successful and sustainable as an artist is just the, what they, this guy calls, I forget who wrote it, but true 1,000 fans essentially being Let's say you have a thousand people that are true fans, meaning that if you put out merch, they buy it. If you have a show, they pay a ticket for it. If you have a thousand people that spend a hundred dollars on you a year, then that's really all you need. You know, what is that hundred thousand dollars? I don't know. I'm I'm a religion major. I'm shit at math, but if you have a thousand people spending a hundred dollars, that's enough for you to be sustainable as an artist. So how do you cultivate? those true 1000 fans you know you're not necessarily cultivating that as a young artist if you have all these walls to downloading your music if you stop people from using your music in these videos like exactly like you're saying it's about you know getting yourself out there um developing relationships with people and um and yeah just letting letting that flow because if you think about it like a thousand people that's not really that that much over the course of of a bunch of years that you're working if you can develop those relationships or exactly. two thousand people that spend fifty dollars. You know, break down the math to equal the same number. You know, it's, I think that what you're saying is very true and important, especially for younger producers. 
yeah, you just can't be too product, productive with your, your music. I, I hate to see when, uh, I won't even get into it, but I, I think like the, from my, in my perspective, because I, I originally had a, a previous account with, before Scala, um, where we, I used to have like dubstep and a few things like that. And I did all this, the classic things like I'd, you know, send my music out to like channels for like promotion channels. And I'd like, you know, send messages to like artists and stuff like that. And you just constantly be like disheartened by the fact that, um, no one really gives a fuck about your music or nobody wants to really do anything. And it was it really sort of took a burden on me. So when I made this Scalar account, I was just like, I'm just going to do the complete opposite of that. I'm just going to only put my music out there and that's it. And just don't, if anyone who likes it, likes it. And uh, the people that do like it, I know will be there because they, for the only reason, the fact that they really fuck with the music, like that they weren't brought there through some marketing scheme or some sort of, um, some non unnatural way. Uh, and I think that the, the, benefits of that is yeah you get a really true um sort of loyal fan base and you and it's it's rewarding and um um it's it's uh it's tumbling yeah i mean that's that's what happened with with me and yeah you put your music out there and just putting it in mixes and eventually yeah. I, just, you know, I reached out and it was just like you know i generally yeah. really worked with your sound and you made it accessible and were accessible as a as a person when i reached out to you and you know, flash forward, here we are, you know, making stuff happen. So you never, you never know who's listening. Exactly. And, and I think the sort of, I only just recently have had to um, put uh, like copyright claim on my music because unfortunate fact of like um, these rappers, you, you know, you give them an inch, they take a while and, you know, someone will take your, your tune and then they'll rap over it and then they'll copyright that track. And now suddenly little fucking toenail is uh is now put a copyright strike on all my music and so you have to um you have to like uh you have to so only reason i've had to do that but even then like i i allow all promotion channels just to take on music like just just have it you know i think the, the promotional benefit fireways and, and and you run across some some great actual legitimate great people like um some channels who will allow you to make money as well on their so they'll promote you and make money on it. Like shout out Accidental Pod and yeah. guys like that, the uh, absolute legends who are just um, they're just out there to support great great music and um, it's awesome. Yeah. So I want to double that shout out to Accidental Poet. They've been a, a huge supporter of us and and the sound in general, making it really accessible to yeah. a lot of people. Accidental Poet until I die. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the whole like community that he's created, all the, all the people in there are just awesome, and um, yeah, massive shout out to those guys. Um, yeah, you know, it's so interesting hearing you talk about your state of mind with your music. I feel like in a lot of ways, particularly around you know dubstep and grime in the UK, it's sort of the opposite. Um, yeah, and in some in some respects, you know, that scene was already well established before it started being more exclusive, but. There was this whole thing about like who has, you know, the certain unreleased music, the the dub plate culture, so to speak. You know, you'd you'd have records that would come out, but then you'd also get like the test presses or the dub plates that got sent yeah. out, you know, way back in the day. And only a few DJs had those. And if you had those dub plates, then you got DJ bookings, you know, just based on being able to play those tunes. Um so I think I don't know, it's an interesting it's like it's come all the way from like midnight to six o'clock here 
uh, on that it, with wave music because I feel like it, in general, with some exceptions, um, people are a lot more open in wave. Yeah, I, I've, I've had that experience a lot with, especially as I've been diving into this and being someone um, who's been, you know, been actively been playing, then by the nature of how open people have been with sharing music with me, I've then been able to play that all my shows and the natural reaction is people coming up to me after and being like, I've never heard anything like that. Like, what is that? And I'll t- I'm, I, you know, I feel like it's kind of almost like my duty as a DJ, if somebody's giving me uh, unreleased music to let them know, you know, so um, I'll tell people like who it is, who to follow. And I always try to, and, you know, mixes and things like that to, to just tag every artist that's, that's involved. Cause I mean, from my perspective, you know, it's like if you're going to share this with me, then then I need to share it with other people, and that's how it's it's gotten out there. You know, if you're if you're not making your music downloadable, if you're not sharing it, and people are are, are asking for it, then definitely, you know, and, and it how you're going to let it get out there. <laughs> yeah, and like it, it benefits everyone, like not even just yourself. Like after you you get all this promotion, whatever, and people you get natural followers and all that stuff like that. Um, you're also again like you said spreading the, the scene like everyone will be benefiting from that like if, if someone allows if Joe here allows his track to be used on on this car video or a, a GTA um, montage video or whatever and 10 million people will see it that's like everyone in the scene now benefits from that because suddenly millions of people yeah. now they'll go to the wave they'll go to the channel they'll, yeah they'll go to the channel they'll go to the discord or they'll go you know somewhere yeah. or somewhere and um everyone benefits from it. I think it's super important just to be um and it also echoes the whole the whole scene in general. Like it's just uh, such a, a loving community. Like it's just something that you should do as a producer. Just um you know, take them for the team every now and then. Share the genre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean especially if you're up and coming, you know, it's it's a no I feel like it's a no brainer. The dub play culture was more for like established acts that, that didn't need, you know yeah or want a whole bunch of people playing out their new tracks necessarily. Yeah, definitely, man. Super important. Um, yeah, so that's kind of like a tip that uh, I would give for like um, out of the door, I guess. Um, Jay, what do you reckon for tips? What would you give? Oh, I reckon more technical side of things. If like you're lacking a bit of inspiration or something like that, you can keep keep your progression ahead and keep improving by like maybe focusing more on, like technical type stuff and what what like watching tutorials or that sort of thing and then when you're not feeling the technical stuff you might be more inspired and just go through cycles like that to sort of accommodate how you're feeling oh uh, yeah i also want to see more people live streaming uh production i hate when people are so like um like uh secretive they're secretive like come on just uh, well you're quick with it man not everyone I'm, i'm the slowest producer in the world it doesn't matter though i think it's just super it's super important to like yeah, d- don't be secretive. Like, if you're secretive about your production, then you're basically like to be out of like. I love it a lot. Like, I really, I really like how when you do your your streams that you'll you'll pause and like live answer people's questions and stuff like that. I, I, I'd love to see you be more streams and to that out there. Yeah, well, it's, it's, how it's, you'll uh, be working on something and then just answer some questions live and then go back to it. I haven't really seen other people do that, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I'll do it even more as well. It's just like um, I need a mic because I have to stop producing, which means like people have to watch me watch nothing for like ten seconds while I answer questions. So I'm going to get a mic and then um, I can just answer people more um, fluently without having to pull, like stop the stream every two seconds to answer them. But yeah, definitely, man. Thanks for that. I appreciate. It. I think yeah, I think more people should um, 
live stream. It's super cool. I, I love to see it. I don't, I don't know how I saw, I remember off dream used to do it, um, mm-hmm. wherever he is at the moment. But, um, uh, and yeah, I just want to see more. I think Kevin had some live streams not long ago, which is cool to see. But yeah, I want to see everyone doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, you, you were saying <laughs> we should, we want some live. Why though? Yeah, man. Three in the morning, my time. It should be easy this afternoon because we're in we're twelve hours apart. Oh yeah, then it would be three after. If anyone wants, I'm in New York and one p.m. in Australia right now. (laughs) Um, I just wanted to ask you real quick, Joe. uh, Do you think? I mean, you mentioned doing tutorials, checking out tutorials. I mean, I I personally think that's useful. Do you would you recommend people do that over learning the to how to create their own sounds from scratch? Um, how do you feel about the thing, that? Yeah, so like, I feel like tutorials aren't going to make your sound, you know, you can still have your own creative direction and, and things like that, but tutorials just give you that, like, sort of technical foundation that you need to sort of make your music okay, well, a certain then make your, Sorry, specifically, what yeah. tutorials you, are, you, are you talking about then? Like More, more kind of technical ones on, like, the mixing and, like, you know, how to, like, use reverb well, like, something like that, and compression, that sort of stuff. Not so much like the the sound design things. Specifically, I can off the top of my head remember one recently. Cashmere had a reverb um, tutorial. He's putting he's putting out some tutorials. I forget where it is, but he's probably a YouTuber. Um, and it was super amazing because Cashmere is an absolute monster producer. Cashmere is yeah. And um, one of my idols. Yeah, he. Uh, I don't know. He specifically off the top of my head. There's a lot that I could probably think of if I had the time. But if anyone's interested right now, Cashmere had a great reverb one recently, which I was like, wow. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll have to get some uh, Skeller and Wido tutorials if enough people hear this and respond that they want it. We'll have to maybe get you guys. Yeah, uh, just, uh, <laughs> let me know if. Yeah, and if I uh, will. Definitely. I, again, I think it's super important just to share your um, abilities with everyone because we all grow. The whole genre will grow. Like, um, we get higher quality production from everyone. The genre will expand faster. So, um, yeah, why not? Just be open with your um. Just let everyone know <laughs> to a degree. Let all let everyone in wave know how to. Uh, all your tips, put it that way. Worried. I see on Discord as well. It's um, there's a lot of people sharing um tips and giving feedback and stuff like that. It's uh, super great to see. Definitely. Um, well, it's been about an hour. I don't know if you guys uh, wrap this up. Do you have any final thoughts or? Yeah, where do you guys think the scene is headed now? What what is what's the future hold for Wave Me? Whoa, oh my god um <laughs> make some predictions come at us come at me right now like, daniel come on come at me joe this is where you you want to give us a definitive you answer two, right? you, you two have the better um, understanding of what's what's gonna happen i just uh, i'm just making the music to be honest uh i, I just um i don't i don't really think about it too often i think uh, it's important just to keep your head down and um just focus on music i like especially as a as a producer just um don't get caught up in all the the, the beefs and the um and the, the just the, the negative talking that I see a lot of on the online. I think it's uh, important just to keep making music that you like, and um and you'll um you you'll see the you'll see the results. Yeah. I guess you could say. Root the rewards, man. Jeez, that's yeah. That, but yeah, um, you, I think <laughs> I think people will understand what I'm saying. I'm, I'm yeah, rambling yeah. now, but um, it's um. You just trail off like this. <laughs> <laughs> you need a beer, man. 
I think, yeah, it's, yeah. I think it's important to, to not get so to. I think it's really easy to get caught up in how hard uh, people and we are are all working and wanting to see certain results or, or recognition. But, you know, it's 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 hard. You know, and um, what's important, I think, is just to really just just keep at it. And because again, you never know who's listening. I'm off and there was actually this um, this video that I recommend everyone checking out called. Leonardo da Vinci was a loser, which is about Leonardo da Vinci, one of the most famous prolific people in history. And the video, just to break it down real quick, goes into how he couldn't get a job when he was in his 30s. And it wasn't 46 and like 1450 or 80-something where he got noticed for the first time. And what separated him um, from other people was that even though he couldn't get a job, even though he wasn't getting, he kept studying, he kept training. He kept pursuing what he cared about. And then when the opportunity came about, his skill set was at such a place where he was able to seize it and become this famous person that we've known for, for hundreds of years. And it's easy, I think, in this day and age with so much information and be a millionaire by the time you're fucking 20 to get lost in that and, uh, and lose sight that. You know, you never know when an opportunity is going to pop up. You never know when somebody is going to, to, to reach out. But if you keep training, you keep working, then you will be ready to seize that opportunity. Very well said, Matt. I think you, well you, uh, Brett using some of his Jedi mind tricks there. <laughs> well, um, I think this might be a really good stopping point. I really appreciate both of you taking the have this conversation with us. And, uh, Hopefully, we'll do it again sometime. And now, everybody, thanks for into a couple mixes by Skeller and Wyther. Thanks for having us, guys. We're um, yeah. always here to support uh, Five Digital. You guys are one of the best in the scene. So, yeah. Anytime. It's our pleasure. Anytime. Thank you, boys. You're now listening to Five Digital.
You're now listening to Vibe Digital.
Thank you, John.